One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. The theme of what I want to talk to you about is about transitioning out of powerless religion into what you're really called to be, which is a supernatural one. Amen? And then you're not supposed to be a pew sitter, right? There's, there's nobody here that's supposed to be nailed to a pew, right? You're supposed to be doing something supernatural. And the, and the reality is that um, the Lord has a destiny for every person, and it doesn't involve something that's possible Right? Um, but the Lord, the evidence of the Lord in your life is you're actually victorious in conquering the impossible. Right? You don't know how, you don't know where, but you're trusting the, the way He's leading you and where He's taking you. And so, if I were to ask you a question about priests and kings, um, would you be able to answer the question that you are in your priestly role and in your kingly role? You, the, the, Lord, the Lord says in um, the... the uh, Oh, where is it here? Revelation 5. Um, it says, And they sang um, a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people, and have made us priests and kings to our God. Mm-hmm. So do you know how to be a priest? Do you know how to be a king? Because if you don't know how to be a priest, if you're not functioning as a priest, um, we got we got to shift that, and if you're not functioning as a king, we have to shift that too, because Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? So if He's the King of Kings. Who are the kings? Everybody, raise your hand, right? So there's an authority. The authority of Christ comes on you as you step into your kingly call, and as a priest, you get to actually in your intercession and worship and relationship with the Lord you actually begin to be able to intercede and, and uh, stand uh, for the people. Right. right? This is a dying world. Yes. Right? Does, the world doesn't need another philosopher. Mm. We've got enough of philosophies and powerless religion and you know, juju juice and all, all, all the other junk. We, the, the Lord needs priests and kings to flow in, in their priestly anointing and in their king, the, the, the anointing of a king. Amen? Amen. Alright, so I just uh, I want I want to you know kind of set the tone with a couple scriptures here of what a priest is um, and what a king is. So that you kind of get the picture of, of where we're going. Okay? Um, you guys know when uh, you know the professional spelling bee thing, right? When when they get this this word that they don't understand and they're buying time. Right, they're like, can you put that word in a sentence? Right? Say, Dave, can you put that in a sentence? Can you put priest and king in a sentence? Right? So here's your sentence. Um, (laughs) This is actually the Lord's sentence. I'm I'm just, I'm just using it. Okay. This is number sixteen fourteen, and the and the situation here is that the people were so rebellious against the Lord, they 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 were rebelling. Um, his authority, his leadership, um, 
and he actually sent a plague to the people, right? And the, and the plague was literally devouring the people. The plague was death. Death was coming upon those in rebellion, which that's a picture of sin, right? If you are without Christ, you are, um, in, you are actually destined for death, right? Um, and so by the time we get to number 16, um, Moses and Aaron are like, holy heck, right? What do we do? And Mo- Moses says this to Aaron. He says, take a censer, put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For the wrath has gone out from our Lord. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded, ran to the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. Is there a plague in, in this world? Yeah. Right? There's a plague in this world. So the connection piece is recognizing that death is consuming the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people, and Aaron stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Mm-hmm. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700, and he goes on to talk about the reality of how real the plague is. Mm-hmm. Right? But the, the point of Aaron functioning as a priest is he goes to the altar, he gets fire off the altar, mm-hmm. and when he gets fire off the altar, he stands between the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. Right? And when he stands between the living and the dead, Death does not have power over those he protects, right? And when when he's standing between the living and the dead, death literally is powerless because he's holding the power. He's holding the fire, right? And the picture there is the, the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. We'll get into that in a minute. But every one of you are called to carry the fire, all right? And then you have the king, the, the concept of how powerful a king is. In Esther chapter 5, um, there's a story with Haman actually trying to rid the world of the Jews, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, in the story, um, if you approach the king um, in an unworthy manner, it was worthy of death. You were dead. Mm-hmm. You could not approach the king. And so in Esther 5 verse 2, it says, So it was... When the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she was in a place she wasn't allowed to. Okay, she wasn't allowed to be there. And by by law, she was supposed to be struck dead. Okay? And so so it was that when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, that she found favor in his sight, and the king held out his, his golden scepter, right? That was in his hand. Esther went near... And it says she touched the golden scepter. And so Esther goes from a place where death is imminent, right? Mm -hmm. To the king actually looking at her with favor and points the scepter at her. When the scepter is pointed at her, Mm -hmm. right? She actually is brought into being made one with the king. Mm -hmm. And not only was she saved, but her whole the, the, the Jews were, were delivered. And actually the Lord turned it around and actually Haman, the very gallows that Naaman, um, Haman were, were building for the Jews, he was the one hung in his own gallows. Right? Because of the power of the king. Because of the scepter touching. Touching the queen. So, the question. Alright, this is a great question. The Lord always starts a new day with a question. All right? Are you functioning in your position as priest and are you functioning in your position as king? Mm-hmm. 
Because the power of a king is the ability to point a scepter at somebody. Right? And the power of a priest is to stand between the living and the dead holding the fire. Is anybody holding the fire? Are you, are you getting anybody saved? Are you getting anybody baptized in the Holy Ghost? Are you calling somebody who's destined for death? Calling them to life because you, you're functioning as a king? Right? And you know the priest, Christ, who intercedes for people day and night? Alright, so here's where we're going with this. Um, so as I was, uh, you know, hanging out with Jesus this week, um, he gave me this vision. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this vision um, because I think there's an impartation with this vision. All right. So the week that Shelly and I left town, all right, um, Sarah, Sarah and, and uh, Kendra ca- called us up out of the blue and they said, hey, we, we want to go to dinner with you. We, can, can, can we hang out? We want to go to dinner. And so, um, what was the name of that restaurant we went to? Stonewood. So we're sitting in a booth at Stonewood. And um, we, at the end of it, we were the last people in the, in the whole no, restaurant. We literally got kicked out. But um, anyway, um, I, I had this encounter this week. Um, I, I had an open vision where we were sitting in the booth, okay? Um, and and this, is, this is what the Lord showed me. Um, we're sitting in the booth where we had dinner. Uh, Jesus appears as the waiter. And he's carrying a large serving platter above his shoulder. He stands in front of the table and looked at me. And he asked, are you ordering for the table? <laughs> Which my, my wife hates, by the way. She likes to make her own orders. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, he says, are you ordering for the table? I said, yes. Sarah will have the censer and Kendra will have the scepter. Christ gives both of them to me. He hands me the censer um, and the scepter. I hand, I hand the censer to Sarah I, I hand the scepter to Kendra. Um, Sarah and Kendra start looking around the restaurant differently. It's like, it's like you can see something. It's like you start looking to the people and the, and the need of the people. Um, and it's like you can see in the spirit. You begin to see the spirit of death with its arms wrapped around all the people in the restaurant. And so, something happens to you. You begin to weep like you can't sit still, like you got to do something to help the people. Kendra, <laughs> this is so wild. I mean, the, the, the way the Lord speaks is, is pretty cool, right? So, so Sarah takes the censer, she stands up, takes the censer, and um, she begins uh, to walk toward the people. Every, everybody whom the smoke um, from the fire touched, it's, it's, it's like when the, when the fire um, came, came near the people and the, and the smoke w- was coming off the people, um, it was like the spirit of death was being liberated from the people. Like the people were being liberated from the spirit of death. Death couldn't stand where the censer was being held because the fire in the censer um, was the ultimate power. It was the ultimate authority in, in the room and death had to bow to the fire. Okay? Kendra then stands up and starts pointing the scepter toward the people. As she speaks to the people, um, who she points the scepter toward, I see angels appear. And they place white robes on the people. And it's like the favor of the Lord, like jewels and um, robes and crowns. And and the vision of the Lord starts um, being 
uh, clothed on the people and the people are no longer powerless. It's like they're equipped in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And what I just gave, gave you was the vision of an apostolic church. Right? And, and an apostolic body, an apostolic people actually weep for the people. They actually share the heart of the Lord because as a priest you are, in, you are connected to the, to the Lord's heart. Right? Um, and as, as you are connected to the Lord's heart at, as a priest, um, and are ministering to the Lord, his, he, he actually takes His crown and He puts it on you. And when He puts His crown on you, no longer are you walking as a mere man. You're actually walking as an assigned one in Christ to a dying world. Amen? That's a pretty cool vision. But that vision is not just for Sarah and, and, and Kendra, although it is for Sarah and Kendra. Um, but it's, it's about people being transitioned out of a shallow view of, of the call of God that's upon their life. Right. Because, right, I mean, five years ago, right, where were you? <laughs> as, the, as the Lord progresses you and you actually chase Him the way He's chasing you, there's this priestly garment, there's this anointing, there's this fire that you start to carry where you stand between the living and the dead and death can't come past somebody holding the fire. And once you realize that when you baptize people in fire, the next thing that happens is you begin in your authority to identify them as the King Christ has identified you. That you're no longer this powerless one, this slave, this imprisoned one, this this one that is uh, um, um, somebody who's um, just whipped by the world, but somebody who is the conqueror of darkness. Somebody who's not a victim of darkness and poverty and inability, but somebody who actually walks in king, kingly authority. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's talk about this for a minute. So this baptism of fire, you know, there's a whole bunch of different theologies out there like, well, yeah, you can, you can believe in Jesus, but the fire is optional. The fire is not optional. Jesus actually told the people, don't try to do it without the fire. Don't try to, don't leave until you're baptized in fire. Because it's the fire that will equip you to actually do what I'm calling you to do. To go save the world. Okay? And so Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you. This is John the Baptist talking um, after, after, you know, he's, he's talking about the one coming. He's talking about Christ coming. He says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, um, but he who is coming after me is mightier, mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. And so deliverance, he's, t- he's talking about a deliverance, a, a uh, literally a spiritual awakening that requires a, sh- a shredding and a, and a dominion authority of, of the kingdom of heaven literally driving the darkness out of you and that you no longer are bound by the world and powerlessness and all the inabilities of, of dead religion, but you're, you're captivated by the Spirit, by this Holy Ghost, the fire of God, who actually um, does something to you so profoundly and supernatural that you literally begin to reflect Christ. Right? You start working miracles. You start healing the sick. You start casting demons out of people. 
That's not just a guy in a pulpit's job. That's the body's job. Amen. Amen. That's the body's job. Every one of you have a ministry. Turn to the person beside you and say, you have a ministry. Tell tell them you should be casting out demons. You should be healing the sick. You should be raising the dead. You should be praying in tongues. 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 To minister to your God. People say, why, why, is, why is tongues? Why is that a part of the Spirit? That's the way of God. Because you as a man can't figure it out. It's His way. Amen? It's the first level of trusting supernatural power. It's not you trying to figure out the Bible. It's not you trying to figure out What's next? It's you being dependent on the Holy Spirit. And when you're baptized in fire, supernatural things start to happen because it's no longer you functioning as a man. It's you functioning in your next step, your next action in the power of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor you need the fire of the Holy Ghost. You need the fire of the Holy Ghost. You see, there's, I know a lot of people that got water baptized that are powerless. But I don't know anybody that got baptized, truly baptized in fire, that still lives a powerful life. Because if you're baptized in fire, baby, the Spirit of God will literally move you. Amen? Amen. So there's, there's a couple things we have to recognize here. Um, there's a beginning stage of repentance. You need a Savior. Right? You need a Savior. Um, but full repentance is not simply a decision. There's a lot of theology that just says you come up and you say, yes, I believe, and you're good. Right? I checked the box. I made my decision. But you're still walking to your own decisions. You see, a baptized in fire guy doesn't walk in his own decisions. He said, the Lord wakes him up and says, go here. The Lord wakes him up and says, go. You get my picture? Right? So actually, repentance is actually you don't walk according to your own will. You walk according to His will. Your life becomes centered on His will. That's why the fire rests on you. Somebody who walks to their own will, the fire typically doesn't rest on them. Because there's not unity in the Spirit. And that's a whole different subject, but people are trying to get unity with a bunch of common men, which is impossible. Jesus actually said in John 17 that I pray that you would be one with the Father just as I am one with the Father. That you would be unified in spirit. And when people come together unified in vision, you become supernatural as a body. As much as you become supernatural individually as the Lord gives you a vision and says, go here, go here, go here. What happens if you get 40 or 50 people praying to get a vision and the whole group starts going in that one direction because the Lord spoke and He knows exactly what He wants this group of people to do. What would that look like? Come on, Riverview. What would that look like? What would that really look like? (laughs) You see, full repentance is a spiritual cleansing. It literally is like, yes, Lord, where are we going? Where are we going? Not I want to. You gotta just, where's your trash can? Let's get let's get everybody's I want to and just put it in the trash can. Yeah. Alright? Dump your dump your I want this in the trash can and say, Lord, what do you what do you want me to do? That's right. Amen? Amen. 
I could tell you a lot of stories about, no, I really didn't want to, but we'll leave that for a later time. Um, but at the end of the day, Jesus says, um, he, he said, wait, right? He told the disciples as he ascended into heaven, right? He said, wait here, I'm going to ascend. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He didn't say just believe me and just go. He actually said, wait, receive my Holy Spirit, receive my fire and walk by fire. Right? He said, literally, you're being walked, walking according to His will, His vision. Amen? Amen. Yes. You guys all right? Yeah. <laughs> so, the concept of judgment becomes a really big deal. Because judgment oftentimes is a taboo word in organized religion. Are you not meant to judge? And they pull out that scripture about... Judge not. judge not. Well, you know, judge not is in the context of a real, a real bad situation. Okay? But Jesus actually said in Revelation 19, He says, I, I, I come in righteousness to judge and make war. So passivity is not, not a nature of Christ. He actually came to, um, in the power of righteousness, He came to make war. What's He making war with? Sickness, disease, demonic uh, possession, Demonic torment, pain. He actually is making war. So the nature of Christ is to make war. So pew sitters who aren't making war, what are they? They're just pew sitters. They're just pew sitters. <laughs> Nobody hears a pew sitter, are you? thing out because judgment is a necessary thing okay it's not it's not an optional it's necessary if you if you if you take a passive approach to christianity and you're just going to sit there and wait that doesn't require you to hear and if it doesn't require you to hear guess what you've just defined your own form of christianity and you call it a christian because you said yes but you're not listening not being too hard on anybody, am I? Come on. We're trying. We're trying to raise people up. We're trying to equip people. We're trying to position them to walk in power. But you got to die, okay? You got to die to yourself. Jesus said, "Whoever desires to come after me, right, will lose his life. Whoever loses my life for my sake will find life, right? Will find life." So this concept of judgment is really key to your call to forgive, okay? Forgiveness is a big deal because if sin isn't forgiven, if sin, if, if picture this, standing with the censer with the fire between the living and the dead, how, how do you think the death is stopped? There's an, actually an intercessor. There's one who stands between death and life and commands the death to go. You think that's judgment or no judgment? If you're not functioning in judgment, you're definitely not in an authority driving out death. So if you don't drive out death, how are the people delivered and healed and actually brought to meet the power of Christ? Somebody's got to stand between the living and the dead. So John 20, Jesus is standing in, in the garden with, with the disciples. Um, he, he's risen from the grave and he's walking on the earth for 40 days. And, and during this time, Jesus appears to the disciples. He says, this is John 20, 21. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said 
this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So what's that mean? How, how, how do you as an individual have the power to forgive sin? You just walk up to somebody and say, Charlie, all your sins forgiven, man. I don't, I don't think that's the, the real deal there. But the, the reality is this. Whenever you are functioning in the power of Christ and you know His mercy, His heart is for the people. Right? His blood was shed on that cross for the world. Right? That's what, that's what John, John chapter 3 says. It's for, for the world. Okay? And when that blood is shed on the people, right? There has to be an intercessor who stands in the nature of Christ between the living and the dead and says depression, anxiety, witchcraft, and everything else that has kept this person in death, somebody is interceding to pray and, and minister to a person who can't get there on their own. So religion will look at the world and say condemn the world because they're not coming to Christ. But Christ says, I've called my body to judge in my righteousness, which my blood was shed for the world, so that you could stand between the living and the dead and command the death, command the, the destruction and all the curses that, that haunt the people, keep them spiritually blind, and keep them from encountering Christ. That's your job. That is your job. You cannot sit in a pew and say you're a Christian if you're not standing between the living and the dead. Because the Lord has to be putting somebody on your heart. At one. Just one person. He's got to put one person on your heart. That's what He does. Because when you're faithful with one, then He gives you five. And when you're faithful with five, then He'll give you ten. And when you're faithful with ten, you see where I'm going? People, people think that the guy in the pulpit is the ultimate emblem of Christianity. And it does, it's, it, it's, not, it's not real. The, the, re, the real thing is you knowing that Christ said, you do this. You do this. Not being entertained, not being taken care of. You actually do this because you know how dark and how Charlie and Bob and Bill and Cindy and Pam and everybody is literally captivated by, by witchcraft, captivated by demonic powers and depression and going to a doctor to get more pills and get more of this and get more of that. Right? But without a person who will stand between the living and the dead with the fire of the Holy Ghost interceding for, for the body, interceding for, for the people, how's it ever going to work? Who's going to do it? going to market something to get more people to come into your church? What if the body was actually turned into an army and you started running out into the street saying, Lord, who? Which door do I knock on? Where do I go? Which door do I go in? Where's Bobby Sue that has a pink shirt on that the Lord says, go to the girl at the cash register with a pink shirt and you run up there and you start praying for them and they start shaking and crying and weeping because the Lord sent you. Come on, man. Marketing doesn't build a church. Warriors build a church. A warrior army, a people who function as priests and kings because you have a prayer life and because the authority that Christ put upon you in your prayer, in your prayer closet as His voice reformed you, as His re voice literally redefines you from that impoverished, 
kid that was unable and unqualified into somebody that He said you are, and you say, I believe you, Lord, I believe you, and you start going and doing it to others? That's called prophecy. That's why the church really can't be built without prophecy. Prophecy is a mainstay. You can't function in, in a theological position and simply keep the people. You have to flow in a vision of what the Lord is saying and release what He's saying on the people because that's His will. Yeah. Right? And when His will is released, it can't be stopped. Amen. That goes back to Genesis 1. Right? And the darkness hovered. Right? The darkness was present. And it says that the Spirit of God trembled. He was shaken. No, that doesn't say that. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just trying to see if you're with me. Yeah. It actually says the Spirit of God hunted the darkness. It wasn't afraid of the dark. It actually in the nature of Christ said, I'm going to go take the darkest thing and I'm going to turn it into my thing. I'm going to turn it into my son and my daughter. I'm going to turn it in to those who will worship me. That's a mentality, right? That's a mentality of a priest and a king. Supernatural ones. You guys ever hear Mark 16? The command of Christ, go into the world, preach the gospel. These signs will follow those that believe in my name. What? You will cast out demons? Who here's cast a demon out here in the last week? All right, we got some takers. How about in the last month? Who's cast a demon out of somebody in the last month? How about in the last six months? All right, we got a little bit of work to do. Who's praying in tongues in the last week? All right, we're, we're a little better there. We're yeah. a little better, right? Right? Who's prayed, for, who's prayed for a sick guy or a deaf person or anybody that needed healed and, and saw something happen? Right? All right, so that's the, that's the body. That's the church, right? Miracle signs and wonders are what demonstrates the Lord present. Right? Not a philosopher. You, 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 can, you can fall into these discussions about, I think he's real, I don't think he's real. You know what I do? Let's pray. I'm going to tell you a quick story. This is a funny story. I don't advise this. When the Lord was teaching me about witnessing, I went through a two or three year period where he just wrecked me. Um, because I was trying to do it my way. I was trying to do it religiously. And... Um, I uh, I was doing a three day fast and um, I came I came off my fast and I was pretty you know I was in my early forties I was still a young guy um, and so uh, you know I, I I fly into the Chinese restaurant at lunch I'm gorging myself I'm, I'm sitting there and the, the Lord has me in the book of Ephesians I got I got the Bible out and I'm, you know there's only about fifteen people in this little restaurant this little Chinese. Uh, joint. I'm sitting there. I'm, 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 I'm literally gorging myself on chicken broccoli or something. And um, all of a sudden, uh, this older gentleman and a young guy—I'll call him his protege—he um, walks up to me and he, sa- he says, "I see you read the Bible." I said, "Yeah." And um, he says, "Can I sit down?" I said, "Sure." And uh, he starts—he he starts. He, he starts uh, he starts learning. He's, he's asking me questions. He's trying to understand what I am and why I would be reading the Bible in public. Because <laughs> people don't do that these days. Like, you must be like, Something, something's different with you. Like, what are you doing? He's, sit, he's sitting there, 
Um, and he turns out to be a Church of Christ pastor. Okay? And he's, he's, he, he starts asking me some questions, and he's trying to convert me to his theology. Yeah. Okay? Uh, and he's trying to tell me that, yeah, the gifts don't work anymore. He, said, he, he says, tongues, yeah, that went by the wayside. Um, and then he's like, prophecy, and there's no need to cast demons out of anybody. And he's going through the list, right? Wow. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, really? And I'm like, so I probably did something I shouldn't have done, but I probably um, made this a 30-minute conversation, and I could have made it about a three-minute conversation. But I started going through some scripture, and I said, well, how do you explain this? And we're having this debate, and the, the young kid, the protege, he's like 22, 23, he was the... He was the right-hand man. He was the, the, the guy in line, right? The guy being groomed. And he's just sitting there like tennis match. And we're, we're going back and, forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he's coming at me, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I finally, dude, something rose up in me. And I went, oh, yeah? How do you explain this? Chateau Brain, not John Bell. And he's, he's sitting there. He's sitting there. And he, he's like, he doesn't know what to do. He's looking around. And his protege is like, tears start running down the protege's eyes. Because the protege just got touched by somebody dumb enough to pray in the Holy Ghost in the, in the middle of a restaurant. And I wasn't, I was mad at this point. So I wasn't sitting there really going, I was there really going, oh yeah, what about this? Shabbat day. And the, and, the, and the kid is like weeping, okay? And I said, do you want the Holy Spirit? And the, guy, the Church of Christ pastor grabbed the kid around the neck and shoulder. He literally drug him out of the restaurant, and I chased him. <laughs> Tested my zeal that day, baby. I was on it. I'm chasing that kid. You know this is real. The Holy Ghost is real. And the kid goes, oh, I know, I know. And I'm going, shop on day, man. And he, the, the guy, the Church of Christ pastor, literally is clicking his, his truck on the way out and shoving the kid inside, wow, wow. getting away. And I'm standing in the parking lot, shut up, no pay <laughs> Just another one of my crazy stories. But um, <laughs> what, what you may say, well, how in the world you didn't actually prove Jesus is real? No, I actually let the Spirit of God demonstrate His presence. There's, there's a difference between theologically proving Jesus versus demonstrating His presence. And the evidence of Him present is miracles, signs, wonders, right? People literally, read, you read their mail, words of knowledge, prophecy, and, and the supernatural things. So how many of you right now would say, you know what, I've tried to do this Jesus thing by... You know, just being normal and not making any waves. Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Send me to the protege. Send me to the protege. Give me to hear tongues. In the middle of a public place. You see, when the Lord's going to use you, He first has to break you of the fear of man. He literally has to break you of being afraid of man's opinions, what they're going to say to you. And, and, and t if you read every way of witnessing... Everything is going to say that was wrong, Dave. You never should have done that. Yes, but I wasn't listening to a recipe. 
I was wrestling to the fire in my belly that I couldn't stop anymore. And I was like, he's real. Shana ma. No old day, day ah. Right? Amen? Amen? Amen. And you may say, well, you know, your, your ways don't fit. It doesn't fit. Jesus didn't call you to fit. Right. Amen. And a lot of you are trying to be supernatural yet fit. And I, well, this isn't in my notes, but I just I feel, I feel like, man, like a lot of you are trying to be, yeah, I want this thing. But if I do that, I don't fit. Do you think Jesus fit? They either hated him or loved him. There was no middle. Where do you fit? Come on, where do you fit? Team Jesus. You fit in? They're going to get mad at me if I do that. you got to learn to trust the Spirit. And the only way you learn to trust the Spirit is to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and you pray like a wild man. Yeah. And when He starts talking to you, when He starts visiting you in dreams and visions, and, and He actually sends you into darkness. A lot, of, a lot of Christians have a very false understanding of Christianity. They think that, that it's supposed to smooth out and get easier. You realize that's a lie? The Spirit of God lead Jesus into the desert. He led him into the desert. He led him into the darkness to face Satan. Why? Because Jesus had ability in the power of the Spirit to overcome the darkest thing on earth. And after he came out of the desert in the power of the Spirit, everywhere Jesus walked, every city he went into, they either hated him or loved him. Did they hate or love you? Say this, say Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Take me to a desert. Take me to a desert. And I will find your voice. I find your voice. That conquers darkness. In the name of Jesus. Come on, make me supernatural. Come on, make me supernatural. You don't know, but you just gave the Lord a recipe and a yes before you even know what it is. And that's 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 what the supernatural is. Willing to go and, and follow and learn to trust Him in ways that you never had to trust Him before. Hmm. Yeah. Sunday morning becomes a very small piece of, of, of the puzzle when you realize that you have a ministry and He wants to talk to you and He has an assignment for you and an ability for you. And when you find your ability through Christ, what, what would happen if all 30 or 40 of you literally knew what your assignment was and you came and said, all right, pastor, this is what I'm hearing. This is where I think we're going to go. And there's this theme that starts because there's like 20 people hearing the theme. Yes. Do you think that would make your pastor's job a lot easier? Yep. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but you guys are just, you, you guys are just supposed to go sit on Sunday and hope the pastor's got a good message. That's actually the opposite. An apostolic organization actually has a body that hears and they go where the Lord's going. It's a whole, it's a, it's a whole different thing, man. I'll tell you one more story and then we'll maybe start praying here. Um, <laughs> a couple years ago, I got asked to go to this place in uh, Washington, D.C. And... Um, I'm in this. I'm in this room about this size, and uh, I start. I start to preach. I start to minister, and um, there's this young, young uh, Chinese girl. Um, she starts to. She starts to manifest. She's she's laying on the ground, and she's screaming, and these, these demons start speaking out of her. And 
um, I had a choice. Either I could follow the unction of the Holy Spirit and what the Lord wanted to do with delivering this girl, or I could keep doing what Dave Tuppet wanted to do and try to preach my message while she was screaming. Mm-hmm. And so I put down my stuff, and we turned the night into a, to a prayer meeting, okay? And um, the whole, there were people in there that never cast a demon out, but this girl started to manifest, and then it was like people saw how demons were real, right? You have a whole, a whole different perspective um, thinking that demons are real or maybe not real if you've never seen it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right? right. And so we're casting demons out of this girl for like two hours. And at the end of it, um, she gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. She's laying on the ground. She starts to laugh. And when she starts to laugh, laughter fills the room. And everybody gets waylaid in laughter. Okay? And and she stands up and, and she starts to tell her story. And she says... She says, um, "My parent. I grew up. She goes. I grew up in Tibet, and um, my parents um, had a form of Buddhism called. Um, I forget. I forget the exact name of it. But what they did is they worshipped the snake god. Okay. And when children were born, they would take the children into the temple, and they would go through a ritual and and um, literally cast a spell over the child. And she said." Every night of her life, she didn't know anything that wasn't torment. Every night of her life was, was um, oppression and demonic visitation and anxiety and um, suicidal thoughts and um, just all kind of medication and stuff. And, and um, you know, she, she ends up talking about uh, the reality that if we wouldn't have prayed for her, right, if, we, if, 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 we, if she didn't get deliverance, what it, what it was like, right? Um, do you know anybody that's bound in witchcraft? Do you know anybody that can't get out? Do you know anybody who has actually told you no? You know that's not them telling you no, right? That's a demon telling you no. Right? And if, 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 you're, if you're in your prayer closet, you start to discern that, holy heck, those people are bound so far in darkness. How do we get them out, Lord? How do we get them out? Who's going to do it if, if you're not casting demons out of people? Right. Who's going to do it if you're not baptizing people in the Holy Spirit and fire, right? Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Deliverance is a work of the Holy Spirit. Right? It's the Spirit of God that drives out a demon. Yep. Amen? Amen? And so, the Lord actually wanted this girl baptized in fire. Mm-hmm. Right? And I could have done an normal thing. I could have like kind of put her off to the side and somebody quiet her up and we'll deal with her later and get pulled into different distractions and doing different things in ministry but I but but wasn't listening to what the Lord wanted to do in the room. Anybody listening to what the Lord wants to do in the room? Yeah. Amen. You see the, the Lord the Lord wants keys, yeah, priests and kings to be so sensitive to his voice. Right? That you look around, you're sitting in a restaurant like a normal day, and because you carry the, the censer and because you carry the scepter, you look around at that restaurant not with normal eyes. You actually look around at that restaurant and begin to weep because you see death crawling all over people. You see the drug addiction, you see things, and you just can't sit still because you're there to just eat dinner, right? But the Lord opened your eyes to be sensitive to somebody around you that He's unctioning you toward. 
You get the picture? That He moves people in deliverance. He moves people to intercede. He moves people to stand between the living and the dead. Come on, man. There's a plague. There's a plague. The world is, is filled with a plague. It's called death. They're going to hell without somebody to stand between the living and the dead. Without somebody to somebody who's worthy of death, but if they have a scepter pointed at them, right? The, the scepter, the, the, the power of the king is said, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. The, po- the power of breaking people free is, is an assignment. Amen. Amen? Amen? It's not an optional thing. No. Multiplication is not optional. Mm-hmm. It's getting pretty hot in here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> start, start praying for the wind to blow in here. <laughs> so here's the deal, guys. Um, let's just talk about... <laughs> All right, here's 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 where we're gonna kinda switch things over and we're gonna start praying. Um what is truth? Oh I like that. <laughs> how did how did Jesus describe truth? John sixteen thirteen. When He, the Spirit of Truth, has come, He will lead you into all truth. Can you open a book? Can you even open the Bible and point to something and think it's true and applicable to a particular situation? Not without the Spirit of God. He will lead you into all truth. That means that He is the one you go to. He, he, the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals truth. Right? Let's ask this question. Um, do you stay in Florida or do you move to Montana? Is that in the Bible? How are you going to find it out? When He, the Spirit of truth, will come, He will lead you into what? All truth. Do I... Pray for that person down the street? Do I knock on all their doors or just the door with the, the blue um, and, and red polka dots? Well, the Lord showed me a door last night in a dream with blue and red polka dots. And I was driving through my neighborhood and all of a sudden I looked over and I saw it. And my heart's burning. My heart's burning because I know the Lord's pointing me. He will lead you into all truth. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom shall I send, who, who I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you shall uh, also bear witness. Spirit of truth makes you a witness, man. Mm-hmm. My experience is you can't sit still if you know the Spirit of truth. Because the Spirit of truth is like, go here, go there, talk to this guy. Do this, do that, right? I was uh, 2000. I think it was 2010. I was sitting. Um, I was sitting at uh, uh, what was it? Easter dinner. My wife had uh, like two, like a ham, a turkey, like this big spread. There's like 25 people in our house. We're really involved with the, with the local church, and so there's the house is filled with people. 
and it's like middle of the afternoon, and um, it's time to eat, and um, everybody's getting their plates, and Dave said grace, so I said grace, right? And uh, I sat down with my plate, and all of a sudden I heard the Lord say, go to 7-Eleven. I went... <laughs> <laughs> I've got turkey, ham, mashed potatoes, extra gravy, and everything else on my plate. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm going like this. I'm like, go, go for me. He says, go go to 7-Eleven. And um, this is just a little bit of wisdom for for you men in here. Don't get approval from your wife in a situation like this. So I literally, I literally snuck off the table like I was going to the bathroom. I walk into the garage. I slide into the garage, get in my car, and 7-Eleven was only two miles down the road, okay? So I pull in the, I pull in the parking lot at 7-Eleven. It's Easter. There's not many people out, okay? At least in you know, you know, rural America, people honor the holidays and stuff, and people are doing a lot of family stuff. There's nobody out. So I walk into 7-Eleven. And I'm looking around. There's only like three people. And I'm looking around. I'm, I'm, I'm like, him? Her? Him? And the Lord's nothing. I, and, I'm, I'm, and they all walk out the door. And I'm thinking the cashier. It's got to be the cashier. <laughs> I'm sitting there. And I'm, I'm waiting for the Lord. I'm waiting for him to speak. And, I, and nothing. Ten minutes goes by. Fifteen minutes go by. And I'm sitting there going, that was, that was you, devil. I, I know that was you. You're <laughs> <laughs> a liar. You're a liar. <laughs> And I'm like, I can't believe it. I know the Lord. I know the Lord told me to go here. And so I get back in my car, and I, I mean, I was like, I was mad because that's my thing, man. I, I, I got I to hear and I got to do. Okay? And so I get, I pull into my driveway, I sneak into the garage, um, I put my hand on the door on the doorknob to go to go through the through the garage into the kitchen. And reappear from, from a 30-minute bathroom break. <laughs> I put my hand on the doorknob and all of a sudden I heard this thundering voice. He goes, I just wanted to see if you'd go. I just wanted to see if you'd go. And it changed me. Long before the Lord started sending me to India, long before the Lord started, you know, he, He's woken me up and sent me to Arizona, sent me to different places, knock on this guy's doors and say this to him. Long before any of that was Easter dinner 2010, I just wanted to see if you'd go. <laughs> That's truth, baby. The spirit of truth. He will lead you into truth. You'll know yes and you'll know no by, what, by the relationship you've developed with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let's end with this. Uh, John 14, 17. I will pray to the Father that He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, Mm -hmm. but you know Him for He dwells with you and will be with you. Do you have the Spirit of truth? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit of fire? Do you know the Spirit of truth? Because hearing the Lord is not like a a, a thing that is... um, like just a handful of people. It's supposed to be everybody. Right. Everybody's to hear, hear the Lord. Right. Amen? Amen? So the, pro- the promise is, is, you know, Jesus says this in Luke 24, 49. He says, stay in the city. Do not leave until I send the Helper, until I send the fire of the Holy Spirit upon you. 
The fire is a symbol of the Lord speaking. It's the, the anointing, the ability that you no longer walk as a man in the dark, but you walk as a man in the fire. And a man in the fire will be sent to stand between the living and the dead. Amen? Amen. So, you got the Holy Ghost, man? Yes, sir. Yeah, you got the Holy Ghost? Who here? <laughs> who, who here has never been filled with the Holy Spirit? Who, who's never been baptized in fire but, but wants the fire? Mm-hmm. You want the fire? Me. Yeah? Come on up here. Come on up. Come on, we'll pray for you. Anybody else? All right, yeah. Let me put it to you this way. Who here does not pray in tongues? Me. Come on up. If you don't pray in tongues, come on up. We're going we're gonna to get you filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, so here's the deal, guys. The reason Jesus actually gives you the prayer language of tongues is this. How many of you know what to pray for every day? Most of you say you don't. That's why people don't pray. But guess what? Jesus actually gives you the gift of tongues because you don't need to know what to pray. You need to trust the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, will lead you into all truth. Okay? Romans 8.26 says this, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. That's us. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with a groaning we don't understand. Right? Amen? It goes on to say, now he who searches the heart knows what the will of God is, right? It, it says that he gives you the Holy Spirit because you can actually hit, hit the easy button. A lot of you have been trying to do Christianity a very hard way. You've been trying to be good. You've been trying to fit the mold. You've been trying to learn the Bible. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you my spirit. And the spirit of truth is going to lead you into all truth. And the power of heaven is going to come upon your life. And you're never going to be the same again. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was the first time in my life I felt peace. And I fell in love so deeply with the Holy Spirit that I couldn't stop praying. I literally would pray in tongues all night long. Because, because I had nights of depression and anxiety and shaking and fear. But when I learned to pray in the Spirit of God, and I would say, and the presence of God would fill the room, I suddenly learned that no longer am I the one being beat up that those who come against me are the ones being beat up. That's the power of the Spirit. It's a trust that He is your Savior. He's your healer. He's your deliverer. And He came to make you all His sons and daughters. He came to make you a priest and a king. He came to give you um, an unveiling of your destiny. Because no matter where you're at in life right now, there's a destiny that is so much bigger that you'll discover as you trust the Spirit of God and let Him lead you into the revelation of His truth. Okay? You believe that? Alright, so here's the deal. Jesus said, stay, I'm going to pour My Spirit upon you. And when the Spirit of God comes on you, what you're starting to feel right now is the fire of God on you. And and some people get like a lump in their throat. That's, that's the Holy Ghost, okay? And here's the deal. If you get tongues, you're going to get visions. You're going to get prophecy. Yes. You're going to get dreams. Yes. You're going to get words of knowledge. Yes. You're going to get the gift of healing. Yes. You're going to get every gift of the Spirit. Yes, Faith, wisdom, you, discernment, Thank you. the working of miracles. That's a, that's a gift of the Spirit. Okay? Yes. The Spirit of God will lead you into what? All, All truth. Hallelujah. 
Say this, say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. I want you to come upon me. Baptize me in fire. Baptize me in fire. Right now. Right now. I want the gift of tongues. I want to dream your dream. I want to dream your dream. See your vision. See your vision. I want to pray in tongues. So that I will prophesy. So that I will prophesy. Come on, I'm gonna pray in tongues. I'm gonna pray in tongues. And then I'm gonna prophesy. And then I'm gonna prophesy. You know why? Because the Lord said He'll speak to you. When you pray in His language, He doesn't have an option not to answer His sons and daughters. He said, I will speak to you. I will speak to you. Alright, so Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person here, Lord, that the fire of the Holy Ghost would come upon them, that they never be the same again. Lord, right now in Jesus' name, come on, fill the Holy Ghost. Shalom, Sindre, Shema, Abramana. Come on, fill. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.